Welcome to another episode of It's a Packed Life podcast. I'm your host, Celeste. Today is Friday, August 26th, and this is episode 11. Welcome to the show. So since this is episode 11, I thought that it would be a good episode for me to do one that was just about me. And that sounds really egocentric, which is not my goal, (laughs) but the podcast, the whole reason that I started this podcast was that um, there's so many times when there would be like a conversation or something that I'd be having with my friends. And I would think, I really wish that I could record this so that I could come back and play this all again. Cause as much as I was getting out of the conversation in the moment, I knew that there were deeper things that were being said that I wanted to think about again, that I'd want to hear again. And then I thought about how many times when I get to know people, I wished that I could sit after a conversation with them that I wish that I could go back and like sit and just be a fly on a wall during some of the conversations that they had because they were just such fascinating and amazing people. The podcast was born out of that basically that I wanted to share some of these amazing conversations that I have with other people who like me just sometimes want to be a fly on the wall for some of the conversations that people that they think are just really awesome are having. So If you stuck with me this long, I super appreciate it. I know this is episode 11. Like I said, there was a couple of weeks where there hasn't been a podcast due to a family situation that came up. And then also the fact that I deal with clinical depression. And sometimes when it shows up, the most important empowering thing that I can do is to give myself permission to just stay alive. And that's not to say that in that moment right now, because of where I am and the safety nets and things that I've built into my life, like I don't go to a place of suicidal desires or ideation. But what happens if I don't take the pauses and do those things is that the reality is I could get back to that place. And I have no desire to go back to that place. I've been in that place and um, I've done a lot of work to ensure that I have safety nets and things in place to catch where I'm at before it spirals down to that place. I took another week off and uh, it's not smart as far as like the algorithms and things are for making sure that my podcast is hitting the right people and blah, 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 blah. That is fact. That is truth. But it is also truth that this podcast is about intentional living. It's about living a life with intention and being authentic and building community and having connection. And the truth is that I had to honor who I am and the space that I was in in that moment, or I would not be living an authentic life of intention. So I took the pause. And maybe it means that there won't be anyone listening to this podcast, maybe, or, or that it'll be extremely minimal. And that's okay because there's something that shifted in my life in the last several years where I recognized that when I live this life for myself, when I live it for the authentic connection with who I am, everything else just kind of falls into place. That means that sometimes friendships have been released and moved on and some new ones have been built. And, you know, I'm, I'm not a passive participator in my life where I just say, oh, well, you know, the universe is just going to take care of everything. That's not where I am. 
It's more that I know that I will do what I can with what I have. I trust myself enough to know that I'll do the things that are important and that will move me forward into the life that I'm looking for and that everything else will fall into place. It's trusting myself truly, truly, truly trusting myself that has given me the empowerment that I need to be able to just trust that things are going to happen and everything will fall into place. I don't have an expectation that it's all going to be perfect. I've actually obliterated the idea of perfectionism from my vocabulary, from my life. What it is, is recognizing that I'm enough. My life is enough. And that when I see a lack or feel a disconnect with something, or I'm looking for something else, I trust myself enough to know that I can go for it and create and find the things that are missing. When there's an overabundance of something, whether it's toxicity or even something really good, but it's just too much. I also trust myself to put that into focus and be able to move forward and have the life that is healthiest and best for myself. So with that being said, I touched on this a little bit with the podcast that I did with Rhonda and it's something that I've wanted to come back to. And so here, for, I think for episode 11, it's perfect. And I'll explain why for a little bit. Number 11 has always been this, I don't want to say omen, but kind of, it's kind of like an omen. It's like a, a check-in, a breathe. It's the pause. When I see the number 11, I'm always a little excited. It always felt a little magical to me as a kid, just the repeating of the numbers. And I know if you studied numerology or any of those things, um, this is something that consistently shows up for a lot of people when 1111 would show up on a clock for me, it was like, oh, this is like a perfect moment. And I know I've gotten rid of the word perfect, but I was a kid. Right. And this is magical. It's amazing. And the first time that I remember it happening, we had been driving from, oh, it would have been Monument Valley. We lived in Utah and we lived in Monument Valley, Utah. And we were driving back to the Salt Lake Valley to visit uh, grandparents for the holidays. And we came up over the point of the mountain between Provo Valley and the Salt Lake Valley. There's a place called point of the mountain just before the prison. I can't remember the name of the town that's right there. Anyway, we come up over the point of the mountain and you could see the lights and it it was so much smaller than that it is now, but <laughs> come up over the mountain and all of a sudden you would see all the city lights laid out of the Salt Lake Valley. And it always felt super magical and exciting because it meant it was time to see grandparents and cousins and people that we didn't live close to. That was always super fun and exciting. And I looked over at the clock and it said 11, 11, it was 11, 11 PM. And there was just the twinkling lights of the city below that. And it seriously was just one of those moments that captured my little girl heart as just magical and perfect. And that began my uh, fascination with the number 11, 11, 11. And it's a time for me to pause and reflect and assess and just to verify that I'm on track with where I want things to be in my life. So sometimes I say it's a sign from the universe telling me that everything is as it should be. And that's because I trust myself and I take the pause when it shows up to do a quick assessment and see, and just to confirm with myself that, yeah, I got this. Everything's okay. It doesn't matter if I'm in the middle of the shit or in a really beautiful moment or whatever. It's just one of those times to pause and reflect and remind myself that I got this. So back to what I was talking about with the conversation with Rhonda, when I was talking about 
how I assess where my life is and how I'm doing. It's also how I get my family to communicate with me. And I have named it um, as far as assessing life. The space is seven. It's the scale of one to 10. And for my life goals, it is the space of seven. And let me explain where this came about. When Corey and I were first married, I would go out of my way to make some of his favorite foods, or I was trying new recipes. Obviously, we were new to each other and I wanted to not be making meals for him that he didn't love. And I'm a foodie and I loved trying new recipes and things. I didn't, and I started creating our personal cookbook for our family. And I didn't want to put recipes in it that were not amazing. And so I would ask him, what do you think of the smell? And he'd be like, it's good. Like, what, what does that mean? It's good. Uh, it's fine. I like it. I'm like, okay. So this is not helpful for me because I don't know what his descriptors mean for him. And I needed a better way to assess. So I said on a scale of one to 10, one being gross. I can't believe you served this to me. I'm going to die. And 10 being, this is the most amazing thing ever. And I can't imagine anything that you would do to it to make it better. How do you like this? And for cooking, anything that fell below at eight, I just scrapped the recipe because there's so many out there. Unless it was something that I saw a lot of like super potential with. I will say that there's, there's a couple of times where it would get like a seven or something. And I'd be like, I know how to make this a 10, but for the most part, if it hit below the eight for a recipe, it was just like, there's so many recipes out there. There's so many cooking things and things to do that. There's no point holding on to anything that isn't hitting that eight, nine, 10. And then I would tweak it and find the things to do to get it from the eight up to the 10, if I could, or I would just accept that, you know, there might be something that could make this more perfect, but it's really good. And we're going to hold on to it. So that's what I did with cooking. Corey, we also found that we were going on dates and doing activities and things that neither of us really wanted to do, but we went along with it because the other person had thrown it out and we assumed that it meant that it's what they wanted to do. And we wanted to be loving and supportive and I can't even remember what activity we ended up doing where it was obvious that neither of us really wanted to be there, but we were having a good time because we were together. And then we were like, okay, so here's the deal from now on, when someone throws out the scale of one to 10 or throws out an activity, we'll bring up the scale of one to 10 and we'll decide, you know, what we want to do. And if it wasn't at least a seven for one of the people, we wouldn't consider it. Now, if one person says it's a seven and another says it's a two, we're going to keep looking for an activity. If one throws out that it's an eight or a nine and someone else is like a three or four, it's up to that person that's at the three or four to say, is this something I want to do to hang out with my spouse because it's something they really want to do or not? And it just really helped clear up a lot of the miscommunication and things that we were having. And we stopped doing activities we weren't interested in doing. And it was really important, especially as a young married couple who just bought a house and wanted to start a family. And we were trying to save for those important things that we weren't out spending money on activities we didn't even really want to do. And I didn't realize at the time, but we were already starting to build a way to make sure that we were living a life with intention back then. Um, to just have a lot of clarity and, and understanding. So over time, it's something that I began to recognize as the tool that it was. And because I do struggle with mental health issues 
And after his deployments and things in the military, you know, Corey deals with PTSD and he has anxiety and things that crop up because of the PTSD and that time in the military. And Rory is a super anxious child also because, you know, dad was gone so much when he was little and it created separation anxiety and the fear of the unknown, which totally makes sense when you're a little kid and you have no understanding of time frames and you just know dad's gone then he's home and because people are idiots there were people who mentioned that um his dad was at war little kids don't have concepts for these things in fact there was someone in a grocery store this made me so angry who actually said how do you feel about your dad being a baby killer and yes I accurately took care of the person I eviscerated them for having said that to my child but the fact that my kid who was like under four. I, I don't remember the exact age, but I'm thinking like two or three, but anyway, under four, who says that to a child? I don't care if that's what you believe, but the fact that it said, and those things do stick, even though the kid is that little, they stick in a way because they don't understand what it means. They just know people are angry. And now mom's angry at these people. And what do they mean? Baby killer, you know, like, so anyway, Our whole family deals with different mental health issues, which is fine. It's a reality that more people need to talk about and, and be honest about, and we need to continue to get rid of the stigmas around that. Um, But in communicating how we feel, because this is a question that comes up a lot. And even if, even if you don't deal with mental health stuff, it's still a question like, how are you doing? And we have the trite answers of fine, I'm good. Or sometimes we might like elaborate on how we're doing, but how do you really truly accurately convey that to another person? Like where you're at, like, where's your mental health today? How's your emotional health today? And so we applied the scale of one to 10 for that as well. My goal in life is to find myself living in the space of seven. What that means is I don't expect perfection. Like I know that life is not going to consistently be at a 10. I know that we're going to take dips to a two. I know that things are going to happen. Um, I know that life is going to come at me. You know, there's going to be situations that are out of our control that are unpleasant. It's just the nature of life. Like there's no way to control all of the little things that come at us. And if you're trying, just let me give you the wisdom of 45 years on this planet and from the wisdom of people who have been here longer than me that have also expressed this, there's no such thing as control. The harder you try to hold on to control, the less you have of a real grasp on what's happening. So in recognizing that life is going to keep happening, there's no way to control it. We can mitigate circumstances, but we cannot control everything that happens. I know, I know, but there you have it. How do I accurately assess where I'm at and where do I want to be living at? And I realized that for me, that space, you know, if I'm consistently falling in the seven, eight, nine, ten area, then I'm living a really good life. And that's, I'm not talking about every day, but like as an average, as an average for the day, as an average for the week or the month or the year, when I look back and I say, how was, how was today? I want to make sure that if I'm not falling into that seven, eight, nine, ten space consistently, that I'm asking myself why. And if there's something that I can do about it, there are going to be days that are a two or a three. And sometimes there is nothing you can do about it. But by having the 
scale of one to 10 and assessing myself, I'm able to truly recognize where I'm at and do a pause in that awareness. That's one of my words for the year is awareness and the other one's intention. But if I can take that pause and have a true awareness, then if there is something I can do, I'm able to formulate a plan and do something to get myself back up into that seven, eight, nine, ten space. Other times it's just recognizing, you know what? There's nothing I can do about this situation. So I'm going to take a deep breath and do these other things for self-care for myself that maybe have nothing to do with what's going on in the situation, but that can mentally and emotionally move me back over to the space of seven. And so I'd been using this scale for a while. And then in a therapy session, we were talking about how hard I still am at times with myself, like around um, maybe keeping the house clean or as a mom, you know, we homeschool. And even though we use a loose format of unschooling, because my child is now in high school, I have to keep track of the classes that we're doing and make sure that there's grades and things so that when it comes time for him to graduate from high school, he has a high school diploma so that he can do the things that he wants to do at that point. And I was being really, really hard on myself. And she pointed out that I was striving for a perfection that I claim to understand does not exist. <laughs> wow. Do you have those moments? Like we all have them where we feel just totally called out and it's just like, oh, okay. And then I realized I should apply the space of seven for this as well, because it's, it's not practical to shoot for a 10 in everything that we do. And if you're living your life, expending your energy at a level 10, you're going to burn out. Um, same thing for the nine, you know, so if I, I assessed and I decided if I shoot to expend my energy at a seven, if I overshoot the mark and I end up in the eight, nine or 10 from time to time, it's okay. I won't end up in the same burnout places if I'm shooting for that 10 all the time. It creates a space of compassion and just room for life to come at you. And also to understand that like, it's not realistic, nor should we expect our bodies to be functioning at their prime level all of the time. And that looks different for every person. It looks completely different for every person. I have some guests that will be on the show here coming up that are ultra marathon or ultra runners. They do way, way more than marathons. They're extreme runners. They're, they do like 50 mile things and stuff like that. And it's um, commendable and awesome for them. It's also something that they get something out of in a way that others of us don't. And I haven't spoken to them fully yet about this, but my guess is that even though they can put a hundred percent into those things from an outside perspective, it looks like they're putting in a hundred percent. I'm going to just about guarantee that there are other places in their life where they dial things back so that they can have those moments as they do these things that are important to them. And I don't know. Do they always, this is a good question. We'll ask, we'll ask this. Do they always shoot for a PR every time they run or sometimes do they just run to just run? I think that's a fantastic question. I have to remember to ask that one. So, but yeah, going straight back to it, the space of seven is a good measuring stick for me just to make sure that like, I am putting enough effort and things in it to be doing what I want to be doing, but also that I'm realistic because I am the kind of person who has a history of 
putting way too much into something from the beginning. I go all in with things. I expend all my energy and then I end up in burnout. And it's happened over and over in my life. I finally, I think, I, I think, knock on some wood, right? I think that I have finally landed in a place where I recognize that there are times to all in everything for energy. Actually, for me, there's not. Like I, I need to be really conscientious about how I expend my energy um, because with my fibromyalgia and um, chronic fatigue that shows up, I'll end up in flare-ups if I don't, if I overdo it and I'm not taking care to make sure that I have paced myself so that I don't end up in burnout. And I think part of why I deal with these body responses that I have these chronic illnesses is because I did not regulate these things before in my life. And my body took control and said, Hey, look, you're not taking care of us the way that you need to. So we're going to do it. Um, Just as an example, when I was going to university, it was very common for me to take beyond the 21 credits of the max. I would get permission from professors and my academic advisor. And I would take 21 credits, 23 credits because 18 is considered full-time. And then I think 21 is where my university capped it at, at too much. There was a semester I had 23. I was also working three jobs. They were all part-time, but still like I, I was just amping my output up at that level. And I don't know why it came as a surprise to me at the time. Cause I was in my 20, my early 20s, I'm guessing. I was 25, I believe, when I had a complete burnout and ended up having to drop out of school because I couldn't, I had chronic migraines every single day. Um, I just, I wasn't functioning anymore. And I just hit a point where I realized something has to change. Something drastically, majorly has to change. So I ended up dropping out of school to take care of my body and try to figure some things out. And then my life completely shifted paths because I ended up meeting Corey and got married. And I'm happy about the changes that it took. (laughs) And I don't even mind, like I look back at those life lessons and I just, you know, if I would love to be able to have given me advice that I would have heard. I don't think I would have heard it at that point in time because, you know, in our early twenties, we think we know everything, but I, you know, the one thing that I have learned over the years is that I do have to regulate my output and my expectations of myself because it is impractical for any human to operate at a level 10 all the time. It's just not feasible. It's not doable. And it takes maturity to recognize that while we may be capable of that from t- that level from time to time, that striving for it to be the daily output is unkind to ourselves. It doesn't give any space for the pause. It doesn't give space for if you've had a really bad day or you're just exhausted or, you know, we end up beating ourselves up and creating a shame cycle that ends up doing who, who does that do any good for? Not us. It doesn't do good for anybody really. So going back to um, scale of one to 10 and living for the space of seven and just recognizing that if I shoot for the seven, that's a good 
above average, right? And that that doesn't mean that I always land at the seven. There's days where I assess and I say, you know what? Today, my output's going to be a three and that's okay. What I'm looking at is the long-term averages of this and looking to say, what am I doing? How am I feeling? I'm landing here in this four, five, six on a scale of one to 10 with how I'm feeling about what I'm doing. What do I need to do to move myself back into the space of seven and be able to have that personal assessment and then create the plan and do the things that I need to, to get back to that space. Um, The nice thing about this is that there is no expectation of perfection with it, which means I'm not even going to use this scale perfectly all the time. And that's okay because my goal is to shoot for the seven. And when I look and I assess and I realize I'm not landing there, then I can ask myself, what are the things I need to do to get back to where I'd like to be? So that is um, what I'm going to leave you with today for this podcast. I know it's not as long as some of them have been. I think that's okay. I am truly excited about the interviews that I have coming up with um, several people, some that are new to my life, some that have been in my life for a long time. I hope you'll stick with me. And once again, I just really appreciate you and hope you enjoy the weekend. Thanks for joining us for another episode of It's a Packed Life podcast. Mm-hmm.